welcome to the podcast. Here's a recap of March 28th. So, March 28th was Wednesday. Big day for us. We just moved into a, a new office. This is our third office move in, in less than a year. And for any of my friends who know me <clears throat> and have known me for years, I've, I've always moved. I move a lot of different uh, places uh, apartment-wise. Every year I basically move to a new place. I just love change and, and switching things up, being in a new environment. And to me, it's just part of, of uh, growing. Um, I, just, I just like it. And uh, I, I've kind of taken that same, same approach with offices, it seems. But from this standpoint, it was a good thing, right? So we moved in. When we first moved into the, uh, the space we're in, which is it's in between a shared space and like a WeWork and then our own space. So we're definitely paying enough to get our own space, but there's some benefits that come to having a space that we're in. I didn't have to buy furniture. I don't have to uh, hire cleaners, etc., etc. And uh, I can just get to work because there's a lot that goes into getting your own space, logistics-wise and timing-wise and all that. And right now we're just in this growth trajectory where I want to be heads down and I'm willing to pay a bit more uh, per square foot than I otherwise would. But we moved into this space, uh, a 10-person space initially, and then a 15-person space, and we just took their 20-person space, which is the biggest space they have uh, available. And it comes with a private office for me, our own private conference room, and then uh, a big open space for the team. We pay, uh, what is it? The, the effective rent is 15500 just to put that in perspective, I have a friend who I met with also last night who has about the same amount of space in Soho and he pays 5500 So this is by no means uh, <laughs> cheap, <laughs> um, but it saves me cost of buying a bunch of nice furniture for us. It's really important to have a great look and feel when we bring partners in. And so we pay a bit of a premium and I know that. But uh, after this, we signed a six-month deal. After this six-month deal, uh, my, my guess is that we'll actually be moving into our own space where we design it how we want it because just the, the numbers don't really add up in New York. I think we can get a space, mm, really, we want, we want a space that's uh, three to four times probably as big as the current size we have. We can probably get it for around, I don't know, let's call it 15000 right? So probably the same price. We'll just get three or four times the amount of space, but then I'll, I'll have to spend, we were doing just back of the envelope numbers, right? Between the deposit and furniture and all of that, you're talking like $100,000 to like move in. To do it upright, so that's that's partially why we haven't done it, and because I like the the option to sign short-term leases, where because uh, oftentimes in New York you have to sign five-year leases, or like that's what they ask you to do, and I don't like it. So your only options are either one short-term spaces like I'm in, so I'm paying a premium for also flexibility, or two you sublease from someone, and oftentimes with a sublease, you know I, I look for a bunch of subleases, they don't look very good, you right? know they're not designed well, and so you're gonna have to then spend a bunch of money on it anyways. So what I'll probably try and do. Well, I don't know, is probably get a sublease for like a two-year term because I don't know where we'll be in five years. It's so hard. And so what, what happened, the reason why I'm, I, I have the ability to sublease is because someone else signed a five-year term and then they had to get out of it. It makes no sense. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be that guy who signs a five-year term and then has to like sublease his space because he either outgrew it or, uh, you know, the business isn't doing well or whatever it is. And then you start bleeding cash. It makes no business sense to me whatsoever. I've never understood it why people would do that. When you're at a certain stage in the company, I get it for, for different you know types of companies, it, it makes sense. But for someone like us, it just doesn't make sense to do it. 
in my opinion. So that's why I don't I don't sign five year leases. Don't like them. I'll sign a one to two year, spend some money on it, and, and do that for a next move. So, anyways, uh, that's that. But very exciting moving into this new space. I love my my little office, but it's interesting. Just something to know. Someone someone asked me on the team, "Hey, do you like do you like your office? Like my my little office? Like, are you happy with it?" And, and I was like, you know, my reaction and. The, it's weird. I was just like, man, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, but like, are you happy? Like, all I actually care about is that they're happy. Like, that's that's what went through my head when he said that. I was like, don't care about me. Like, are you happy? Like, because if you guys aren't happy, like, who cares if I'm happy with it? That's what I actually care about. I was like, I could be happy anywhere working, right? Like, that, that's what I, you know. Um, yes, we have this beautiful office and, and all of this, but like, I don't, I don't care about that shit. I mean, our first office. I mean, there's like, I'll show you. This thing, maybe you can see it. If, if you're not on the, if you're listening on podcast, you can't see this. But there's an image of, of my first office, right? We fit five people in an office that had no windows and was smaller than my private office that I that I have for myself today. It's about like half the size, right? So like I don't need. <laughs> and, and I used to sleep on the couch there uh, at that shared space. Like I don't I don't need anything. But it is not. I like. Hey, it is a beautiful space. I love it. But, you know, I've never needed any of this stuff. And uh, as long as the team is happy, like, that's what I care most about, right? Like, I didn't have to move into this new office. Like, I, the, there was space and it, would, it worked, right? I'm spending an additional couple thousand a month just to give everyone more space. I wasn't doing it for myself. And I don't really oftentimes share these kind of things. But for me, if it was for myself, I would have stayed in our last office because it would have been tight. But like everyone fit, but I decided to spend a couple more thousand and, and give everyone more space. You know, my my private office is about the same size. It's maybe it's slightly bigger, but like I'm, it's not worth me paying a couple thousand more to get like a couple feet more in my private office. I did it for everyone else on the team because now they have a bunch more space and a private conference room, right? So something I usually don't share, and and I don't even I never even tell the team this kind of stuff. But in the spirit of being transparent and open on this in this podcast and and uh, video you know that's the truth of why i spent a couple thousand right when you think about it it's an additional two thousand a month for six months that's 12k right i could keep that in my pocket i'm not right i'm investing it in the team um and and uh and giving them a bit uh, a bit more uh space here right so that's why i did it so and that's not to say oh look at me and what i'm doing i'm just saying like that's the reality of like how my decision process works i'm like okay uh, I have to pay an additional twelve thousand. I can either keep it or let me invest it uh, back in the business. And will this make people happier and and better? But I will say, when I walked in, after everyone was moving in, uh, uh, someone on the team goes through. The first thing I hear is, "Oh man, I don't like my space as, as much." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> what do you mean you don't like it as much?" I, I was doing this to try and make everything better. And, uh, and I thought everyone would love it. And then I hear that and I'm like, it like, it crushed me for a second. But, uh, but I think, I think, I think they actually, uh, they do like it. And it was just like, they needed to get set up and everything. But I mean, hell, I was like, guys, if you want to move back to the old office, I'm fine with it. It saves me money, right? Like, <laughs> um, that'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, I, uh, it, it can't be perfect for everyone, but the majority of the people, I I, uh, I believe are very happy with it, and I kind of checked it with everyone. Not with everyone, but I couldn't I couldn't check with every single person before we moved in to be like, is this gonna make you? You know, are you are you excited about this? But the reason why I did it is because the majority of people that I talked to were. But you know, 
I guess that's food for thought for me next time is just to, to make sure about it. But I think uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. I saw people using the new conference room that was our own, which I was very excited about. But anyways, that's enough to talk about the, the office. Uh, we also did our first show and tell, or not our first, another show and tell, where we demoed a couple products. We had a new person joining, uh, Nazia, who is a, a project manager. We separated out project management from product management. And now we have a dedicated project manager and that's it. So before we had product managers doing both roles and we really wanted to free up the product manager's time to focus on product product strategy um, and really focus on that and all project management work to be handled by someone else so that, because both things are extremely important to the success of a partner. But if you're doing both, you can easily start uh, being spread between the two and half-assing both. And what we decided was, hey, let's split the two and and have someone focus on project and someone focus on product. So we had our first project manager starting today. And it's cool to see the team come together. And so I I kind of had uh, the strategy behind... I was like pulling trigger behind this. I was like, all right, we're going to separate this thing. Let's actually do it. Here's the idea. And um, credit to Anthony and Lauren and the rest of the team for executing on... on uh, finding this person and making a move on it. Um, but I kind of saw that that was going on and and, uh, and decided through discussions with, with Anthony and Lauren to, to make it happen. But these are the kind of behind the scenes moves that, you know, things I'm thinking about observing and then, and then kind of making moves like this. Um, but it's cool to see now the team and Lauren and Anthony jump in and be like, you know, defining, defining the role, taking leadership on it. Like I'm not now having to sit down and be like, all right, how are we gonna separate this role, what is their role going to do? Now I have the leadership team of Lauren and Anthony to actually do all that, and they took it upon themselves to do that, which is very cool, which relieves pressure from me. So they're really stepping up in that way. The other thing that, that happened of note that I just want to touch on is there was a, a moment in today, and I don't want to go into specifics uh, out of respect for people on the team, but basically something something happened where, where uh, our values were, I wouldn't say compromised, but weren't being lived up to, and some, something didn't happen that, that needed to get done. Right? And it's interesting, right? Because the values are re- really these guiding, guiding principles behind how, how, how we want to act in the company, right? And when something doesn't get done or, or something falls, falls through or whatever, it's very interesting, right? Because you can, you can actually see if you were living the values, it wouldn't have occurred. So for example, we needed to get something done and, and a couple of people on the team committed saying, yes, I will get it done by this time. And then come around time when it it was supposed to be done, it didn't get done, right? So it's interesting because here's two things, right? Two of our values are one, be your word, and two, take responsibility, right? Now, in this instance, if those two values were upheld, we wouldn't be in the situation of of the the thing not getting done, right? Because if you be your word and you you say something and you're going to get it done, you're going to get it done. Number one. And number two, if you took responsibility, that would have helped get, get it done because the kind of the, the, the excuses I was getting on why it was not getting done was, oh, it shouldn't be my responsibility or, oh, like I needed this person to do this something, right? But that's just passing responsibility, right? That's not taking responsibility. That's not being caused in, in, in the matter on getting it done. That's saying, oh, it's not me, right? So if everyone does that, right, and no one takes the responsibility, that means it's not going to get done. Right? So if we were living our values and everyone on the team was living the, the values, it would have gotten figured out. Even if it wasn't the ideal process and like, oh, it shouldn't be my responsibility. I don't care about should or whatever. The point is, if you say you're going to get something done, it needs to get done. Right? And then we can say, oh, this process was broken. Let's do it differently. Right? But 
that you can't you can't commit to something and then and then that the excuse is oh and actually I shouldn't you know that shouldn't be me right that it doesn't work like that right at least at least that's not how I'm gonna run that's not how it's gonna work at Jack and, and I need to make that clear right so I'm gonna use this as a coaching opportunity today to really reinstill our values and and um, why they are important how they are important how we want to actually act and live because if I don't hold everyone else accountable to these values then they can't hold each other accountable, right? And then it just trickles down and it means it's not important, but it's extremely important to me. And therefore, I'm going to actually have a, a very candid discussion with, with people on the team today about it. But use it as like, not, not as a chastising moment, but as a, a coaching and, and a moment to show together people together and make us stronger because of it, right? It's really, these things are very important to me, the values. And I want to make sure that everyone understands them. And, and it's on me, I'm taking responsibility and they're saying like, okay, I, you know, our values were not upheld. That's on me, right? For whatever reason, they either they aren't clear, I haven't instilled them well enough or whatever it is. So now I'm, I'm gonna take responsibility and, and adjust. Um, and, and I'm gonna look back at the situation and also think about, right? Not just passing responsibility to everyone else that it didn't get done. If I made a request and it didn't get done, I'm ultimately responsible to make sure that actually gets done. Right, but it's a slippery slope because you say, oh, well, I was the one who made the request. Ultimately, it's my responsibility. That means that it's actually no one's responsibility to do anything and it's always just mine and everything just boils up to the top, right? So at that point, I might as well just do everything myself, which isn't the way it should work. But I am ultimately responsible. That is true, right? But I rely on people. I need, I need people on the team to help with things. But yesterday when something didn't get done, I ended up, right, because the buck stops with me, like period, right? I saw it wasn't going to get done, so I, I stepped in and I got it done. I gathered the people in the room and uh, I made sure it got done because at the end of the day, if I'm not living the values of taking responsibility, then then how can I hold people accountable? Like if I, I would be hypocritical if I today then didn't, if I, if I was trying to say, hey guys, you need to take responsibility, etc. but then I didn't do it myself, it'd be hypocritical. But you know, that's what I did yesterday. I stepped in and, and I made sure I got done because there's no one. I, I don't have anyone above me to that, that, that is there to bail me out to do anything. And I'm, that's why I'm here, right? I'm here, like, in these situations, that is the benefit that everyone has, is that I am the, the final stopping point, and I'll always make sure shit gets done. And I'm fine with that. Like, that, that's, that's, that's the role, you know, that, that's me as a CEO, right? But I'm trying to instill in every single person at the company to take responsibility and be your word because then we become just so strong, right? Because then if I make a, you know, if someone else on the team makes a request to someone that's working for them, right? They need to have that same relationship that yes, the manager at the end of the day will make sure it gets done, right? But that relationship between the manager and the person they are managing needs to be very strong in knowing that, hey, if the, the person being managed says something, right? This is the person that they're, uh, the manager knows you are gonna get it done because that is an important value to, to Jack um, and people at Jack live by this value. And ultimately, it leads to speed and, and a better environment, and, and we're going to be able to move faster and, and help our partners more, serve each other more, both our partners and internally on our team. And, and it's just really important to me. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking about this, but values, super important. And when things, things kind of go off, a lot of times you can relate them back to the values. And this is where it's a great coaching moment, um, something that I definitely would not have done three years ago. I would have just blown it off and then just like done it myself and moved on. Right, and then just like it would have kept happening, but instead of saying, you know, getting mad at the the moment, I could care less about the actual individual, you know, item. Right, I care now more about the values and what this represents by not getting by the what happened. I'm more, I'm more like, okay, 
this was a breakdown in, in us not living our values. It was not about this specific item. So it's a complete mind shift that I've had over the last year. And that, uh, and, and it's really cool. That's what I'm, that's what I'm now focused on is like the coaching aspect of, of really instilling a great culture and values in, into the company. And, and that was something that later in the day I talked about with a friend of mine who, uh, who stopped by the office later in the day, uh, around seven ish. He stopped by and he left his corporate job to start a company called uh, Buffy Comforter Company, doing really well. And I met him through my, my good friend Samir, who I went to school with, um, who's also doing amazing things, who started a company called Sun Culture out in, out in Kenya. And so anyways, I met, I met uh, this friend of mine through Samir at Ultra like six years ago. <laughs> it's funny how you meet people. Ultra is a music festival in, in Miami, for those of you that don't know. It was, uh, I went the year, I think it was like my senior, it was a year before I started this business. Because the year after that, when I went to Ultra, I worked the entire time. I didn't actually uh, enjoy it uh, like I did the year before. But anyways, I met this guy, stay in touch with him. He's not working on this company. And we were talking a lot about... Just catching up. I hadn't seen him for, for a few years. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about business. He's uh, he, he made the leap, started this company. And uh, we talked about a lot of things. But, you know, it was like an hour and a half conversation. So just to summarize it, it was a lot about how important, like, things that I've learned. People and culture are the most important thing. Um, give him a couple of books to read, like Principles by Ray Dalio. And then Letting Go, which is another book that made an impact on my life. Which is all about dealing with the, or, or thinking about how you, how you respond to emotions it was a book that my coach, Elizabeth, recommended, and it has been really impactful on me. Uh, and this concept of emotions being, right, you're going to always have thoughts in your head and emotion, you know, and, and it's natural human beings, it's natural to have emotions, right? But how you respond to them is something that you can, you can get better at. So you could be angry, you can be upset, you can be sad, you can, you know, you have this thought that you're really, you know, whatever it is, right? But it's how you, how you, uh, have those thoughts and then let them go, right? And then and then you're you're just in flow, right? Can you let let thoughts and emotions kind of run through you and let them go, right? To be in this great state, right? And not get upset about things or not, right? Because no one actually is ever doing anything to you, right? By you know taking it back to like when when uh, when the situation happened today where people didn't get something done, right? No one physically harmed me. No one did anything to me, right? And so I got you know, upset about it, but like that, that's on me. I, I got upset because of something that happened. They didn't actually do anything to me. They just didn't get something done. Like that's what the actual fact was. Someone said they were gonna do something and they didn't get it done. Now it triggered me a bit and I got upset because the values are very important to me, right? But when you think about it, they didn't actually do anything to me. Any emotion that's going, like I'm, I'm doing this to myself. So if I can recognize that and let it go, then I can be in a good state with them and be in a really loving, compassionate, caring state to coach them, right? It's been a big mental, emotional shift uh, for me, but I would say over the last year, changing my emotional and mental state and health has been completely transformational to me. And, and then also the business. I mean, the business, I, you know, it's hard to say, there's never one thing that changes the trajectory of the business, right? Like we have doubled in size, right? There's not like, I can be like, this is the one thing, right? But I have to say that working on myself and working with Elizabeth, my coach, and working on my mental and emotional state and focusing on people and culture, all of that, right, has led to uh, a growth trajectory for, for the company. So, you know, I couldn't talk enough about with him. I was like, hey, coaching. I was just like, it's been transformational. 
do it. You know, for me, I had to work with someone uh, that I really respected. That was important to me. Someone who I respect from a business standpoint and from a, a personal emotional standpoint. And so I got very lucky working with Elizabeth. And, uh, but I, I, I recommended it to him. And then we talked about you know, a lot of other stuff, but who knows, we might be able to also work together because he's doing some, some pretty cool stuff in, in e-commerce and, and the comforter space. And uh, e-commerce has been, been uh, reinvigorated in my life as something that I, I'm, I'm excited about. It's something I've stayed away from for years, even though I started in the early days doing a lot of e-commerce stuff, I, uh, I stayed away from it, but I've gotten a new little excitement about it recently. So anyways, that's that. What else? I also had a call with Pete, who's my nutrition coach. And we talked about him and, and I've been helping him business-wise, coaching him. And he is working on his pricing and going towards a more premium product where he wants to charge a lot more. And I thought it was a great move, right? It's, it's going after a different demographic. Who's your target customer? His target customer is going to be people who have, who have money, who are willing to spend that money and invest in themselves, specifically around fitness and nutrition. And he was torn because he's like, I really want to help people who don't have money, but uh, for my service, I want it to be a premium service that you know people pay and value the payment. So he was struggling between the two, and I struggle with this too, because you want to help everyone. But I was like, hey, you know, we were talking through, and he's like, hey, I think I want to actually start with the premium product. And I was like, all right, start with that, you know, and then we can figure out ways to help everyone else. Right, but I love that he cares about everyone, like like myself, and wants to help everyone. But you just can't always just help everyone, because someone has to subsidize that or pay for it, unless the economic model works. And right now, I was like, you either get people to pay a lot of money, and then you can subsidize the lower end, right? Or or you say, hey, I can't service you right now. Let me build this thing up, and then we'll figure out this part later. But anyways, I, I he's like, hey, would you would you actually pay you know ten thousand a year for my service? And I was like, absolutely, because for me, it's worth it to to spend on my health. Uh, and nutrition because it, it goes towards me feeling good. It's why I spend also a lot of money on uh, with with my coach Elizabeth because to me actually the ROI on that is actually you know five x or, or something like that. Right? It's like a no brainer for me to spend it. And same with health and nutrition. Like if I'm if he's creating meal plans and workouts and helping me feel my best physically, and then I'm taking care of emotionally, mentally, and business wise with with Elizabeth. I have my my team, my coaches. I'm willing to spend tens of thousands on that every year without even thinking about it now. It's something crazy. I would have never thought to do this years ago, right? But now it's it's also a, a function of, one, I realize the ROI on it, but also now I have a bit more uh, cash to, to spend, and so I'd rather reinvest it. Instead of buying, you know, uh, um, you know a house or, or, you know, a car or, or anything, I'm like, no, I'm going to spend tens of thousands on, on coaches to, to help me perform better. So I told him I would do it. But anyways, uh, I'm willing to invest. And, and I don't think people people realize that as much as like there's there's significant investment. I'm always investing, right? You know, there's there's very few things I spend money on. You know, the only times I've really spent money, I, I bought a really nice Rolex watch. I'll admit that. And I did that as a milestone when I officially owned the entire part of Jack. When I started the company, I didn't own the entire thing. I uh, bought out my partner who, who was there. And so now when I bought out and I when I officially finally made the, the, the last payment. Uh, I bought myself a really nice watch to always com- you know to commemorate that. But fuck it, I could sell the watch. I don't need it. Like, I'm not even wearing it right now. Like, I could throw it out. I don't care. I don't need those things. It's more, you know, I did it. And now I, I spend money on this apartment. So this is my uh, second bedroom in, in the apartment. Um, it's a home office. It's actually Sasha's home office. I use it, you know, occasionally here and there. 
as well but uh, yeah we got we got this uh this little bigger apartment i can now i did it for a couple of reasons one is very convenient it's a five minute walk it's worth paying a bit more so that i'm a five minute walk from the office right investing in myself it's a little bit bigger uh space so yes i, I spent a bit more on it uh, but now like for example on thursday having everyone on the team over and get to have the entire team in one space at my apartment right like that that is amazing so spending a bit more but then get the entire team in my apartment hanging out together right there's stuff like that that it's like hey it's it's worth spending a bit more more money on for certain things um but those are the things i'm thinking about with it right and then there's also this element of hey let me spend a bit more push myself a bit so i do it from a i always like to push myself just slightly not to put myself at risk right i'm very risk averse entrepreneurs that's one thing a lot of them at least for me i'm risk averse completely (laughs) I'm very calculated on my risk. So while this is like, you know, a lot lot of money and, and about six times as much as I used to pay for, for rent, you know, it's pushing myself to be a bit uncomfortable, but I like, I use it as a driving force. I'm always a little bit right there. But other than that, I don't spend money on things, right? People people look like, oh, you have a beautiful suit. Oh, you have a, right? What, what everyone doesn't know, and I was just telling my friend this yesterday, Sasha finds sample sales. We buy a suit for $200 that's originally two grand. Then we get it tailored for a hundred bucks, $300 in. I have a couple grand suit that looks like a, a, a fucking beauty, right? This, this sweater on sale, right? Hundreds of dollars. You know, I think it was like 30, 40 bucks or something. You know, we're, we're smart about things, like actually extremely frugal. That's how I've always, always been. But when you look around, you're like, oh, all these nice things. And she goes, I like nice things. I don't necessarily like spending money on nice things. There's a difference. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's funny. My, mo- my mom always told me when I was growing up, she's like, you really like nice things. You need to make a lot of money when you grow up. Actually, well, well, or I can just be smart about how I buy things and uh, reinvest myself. Uh, I spend more money on books and my education and my coaching and all of that. Way more money on that than anything else. You know, per year I probably spend just on on coaching and books, like you know, over fifty thousand uh, on just investing myself for knowledge, right? And then I spend also just if you think about it, like I could suck out money from the business. I reinvest tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, each year back into the business to grow it, right? Over the course of five, six years, I've, I've invested hundreds of thousands, not millions, back into the business, right? That's where I'm spending my money on, just to put it in perspective for, for everyone, versus taking it all out and, and, you know, using it. So I would rather do that, it's more fun for me. Do things for people on the team, pay people more, right? There's people on the team who have jumped, tens of thousands. I love, I love as a business grows, sharing it with people on the team. Right, people who start at one salary, then like they're they're literally being. I, I know people on the team who start at one salary, and they're 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 up um, uh, fifty thousand from where they started. Right, like that, that's 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 amazing. I love that I'm. You know, I could just keep trying to suck it all for myself, but like I I want to share it with with people. What's the point of having having money and the business making money if if uh, can't share it with people? Um, you know. So um, anyways. Um, I'll stop there. It's gone on long enough. I need to get uh, get to my next thing. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And um, I'll see you soon.